The Lord has wonderful things in store for us, so I do not want to belabor the points any further. I want to go right into the message because I believe God has something special for us. So please, if you are able to, I'm going to kneel. If you'd like to join me, you're welcome to kneel with me. If you don't want to kneel, just bow your heads reverently. But let's pray together as we prepare our hearts to receive the word. Our Father in heaven, we are very grateful that we can be together today on another, another beautiful Sabbath day of rest. We thank you for all who have come out to hear you speak to us, Lord, while we remain silent. And I pray that you will please forgive us of our sins. I pray that you will pour out your Holy Spirit upon each and every one of us. We pray not only for blessings for ourselves personally, but that you might bless us that we may be a blessing to others. For this is the purpose of the church. And so, Lord, please resonate this in our minds even now as we go through your words, we ask. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. Let everyone say, Amen. 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 We have a good amount of information to cover, and uh, I trust that by God's grace we'll get through it all. And you'll remember that last week I you know, gave a charge to us, a challenge to us, to embrace gospel medical missionary work, to really see that like never before, we're living in a time where this is the work that God's people are to understand, take hold of, and to exercise both in the church and in the community that we may help others come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You'll remember that last week we talked about God's plan. And when you look at God's plan, I'll just move this over a little bit. When we, when we looked at God's plan, we saw that they're all based in the Bible. You know, godly trust, open air, daily exercise, sunshine, proper rest, lots of water, always temperate or self-controlled, and nutrition. This is something we all can acquaint ourselves with. We don't need to even have to go to a school to really understand this. There are more than enough books in our own movement, as well as books in the world, to provide all of the scientific data to help us understand how God's plan can help people in major ways. I'm going to give you an example. If somebody had godly trust, what that means is that's going to help relieve a lot of stress. Often our stress is based on the fear of the unknown or what we cannot control. But the more that we trust God and the more that we know that God is in control, it helps relieve a lot of that stress. It helps eliminate a lot of those fears because our trust is in him who always does right by his children. Open air purifies the blood. And this is why we're always privileged to be outside, to be around as much greenery as possible and as is practical, that we can get in the pure air that does so much for purifying the blood and allowing us to have the perfect health that God wants us to have. Daily exercise strengthens your cells. It's going to strengthen your cells, especially white blood cells and red blood cells. The more that we do exercise, it impacts us on a cellular level. Then you have sunshine, literally activates over 400 genes in the body. That's why it's important to get out there and let the rays of the sun rest on the body for a period of time. Then you have proper rest. That is your time your body goes through repair. You know, we all exert throughout the day. The more that we get proper rest, that allows the body to recalibrate and to be brought back into a greater state of health. Lots of water keeps us functioning. The more hydrated you are, the better everything works. Your body's over 70% water as it is. Your brain is over 60% water. I mean, we are a walking ocean. 
And as a result of that, the more hydration we give our bodies, obviously, it allows everything to keep functioning. Always being self-controlled protects us from harm. There's a lot of things that harms us in life, and, and often it's not the unknown, it's the known. It's things that we already know, but we lack self-control. And so the more that we practice temperance is the more we're in a position to say no to that which is wrong and yes to that which is right. It protects us from that which is harmful. And then when you think of nutrition, that's your medicine. You know, what you put inside of your body, brothers and sisters, is obviously going to help us in a most mighty way. And so God's plan is something that God has given to us. Number one, that we should practice it. Number two, that we would help others to come to a knowledge of this because we would be amazed at how God's plan faithfully followed will mitigate many of the diseases and challenges that people suffer with today and can get them on a better track to life. And don't become specialists. If you're a master at exercise, good for you, but make sure you're getting proper rest. You understand that? Be balanced with it. We all have strengths. We all have areas like we're really good on a healthy diet, but we're really bad on exercise. So praise God for where you're strong, but work hard on where you're weak and try to build yourself up and then we can help others. Now, one of the things I really love is that Jesus himself actually followed God's plan. If you look carefully at the life of Christ, and this is what I love, if you look carefully at the life of Jesus, he had godly trust. He breathed in open air. He was often outdoors. He got daily exercise because he walked everywhere. And walking is literally the best exercise to date. And then he received plenty of sunshine. He got proper rest. He drank his water. He was always self-controlled and he ate food that was nutritious. The Bible testifies that God's plan was not merely something that God put in the principles of creation but it was something that Jesus himself subjected himself to, and he lived according to these things. Now watch this. Go to 1 John chapter 2. When you look at 1 John, the second chapter, like uh, was mentioned in Sabbath school, which I enjoyed very much, you know, Jesus came to be more than just the savior from sin. We know that that's foundationally what he came to do, but I love 1 John chapter 2 and what the Bible says in Verse six in 1 John chapter two and verse six, the Bible says he that saith he abides in him ought himself so to walk or live even as he lived. So when Jesus came to this earth, he actually came to show us how to live. And when we look at his lifestyle, we see that Jesus's lifestyle was in harmony with the very laws that he created for you and I to keep so that our bodies can be in the healthiest condition possible. And the reason that this is so necessary is because we live in a world filled with sickness and disease. We live in a world where we're seeing statistics that are almost you know, scary. Six in 10 adults in the United States have a chronic disease. Six in 10. Then what they showed next is they said, and four in 10 adults in the US have two or more chronic diseases. And so we're living in a world where people are sick and suffering. And, and listen, I've done Bible work. I've done canvassing. I've done a lot of different aspects of gospel work. And there's something that hurts me. Thank God I can say used to and not as much anymore because now I know more and I can do more. 
But there's something that's hurtful, even as a gospel worker, when you go to someone's house and you clearly can see that they're sick, they are hurting, and they need help. They need lots and lots of help, and you don't know what to do. All you and I can do is just give them a Bible verse, give them a Bible promise, and we don't know how well that's going to work with them because maybe they'll forget it almost as fast as we gave it. But there's something beautiful when you and I can go to someone's door, like a young man that we trained some years ago in medical missionary work. He was a Bible worker. And we trained this brother, and literally, and I, I'm not sure if I shared this story with you, I may have, but I'll go ahead and repeat it, because repetition deep is the impression. Um, you know, this young man, he came to our training, he wanted to learn medical missionary work. He was a staunch Bible worker, very, very good at what he did. And here it is that as we're studying with this brother, he took hold of the message, he loved what he learned, and he learned how to make something called nature's penicillin. How many of you have ever had nature's penicillin? Ooh, that's the great minority of you. I can't wait to, you're going to love this stuff. So it's all food. You can't overdose on it. But it's an amazing product to help put inside of the body to help fight off things like flus and colds and so on. Well, here it is. He learned how to make nature's penicillin. So he was in Texas. No, Alabama. He was in Alabama and he was preparing for a health campaign that I was coming in town to do. We were doing a series called The Gospel of Health, Health Evangelism. And I remember that when we were out there, before we got out there, he and the team went to kind of prepare the homes and stuff, knock on the doors, let them know about the meetings. So here it is, this young man, he's trained, he knocks on a man's door. When he knocks on the door, the person says, hello. And you could tell like he has a stuffy sound in his voice. And so he, he, you know, he says, hi, sir, I'm here to tell you about A, B, and C. And the guy's like, okay, thank you very much. You know, he's, he's talking really stuffed up. He's in bad shape. So here it is. The young man says, wow, are you feeling okay? He says, no, I have a terrible, terrible flu. And then he says, what are you doing for it? And then the guy was like, well, you know, I'm just taking some pills to deal with some of the aches. And that was it. And he said, hey, if I knew how to help you make something, would you like to try it? And the guy was like, I'll try anything. So, you know, he was obviously in bad shape. So this brother, you know, he said, I'll try anything. He said, it's all food. And he went through the food groups and he said, are you allergic to any of this stuff or anything? Nope, nope, I'll try anything. So he says, all right, I'm going to make for you nature's penicillin. Went to the store, came back, whipped up the nature's penicillin for him. He said, take one cup a day, take, you know, a tablespoon, maybe every three hours or so. I'll come back in about two days and I'll come check up on you and see how you're doing. The guy was like, perfect. So he comes back in two days. Knock, knock, knock. That brother opens the door. Hey, <laughs> cleared up, doing fantastic. The young man says, wow, you're doing a whole lot better. The guy's like, yeah, I feel great. What was that stuff? And the guy's like, well, it was food, but it's, that's God's medicine that he makes for us. The guy was like, well, you came here to tell me something. What were you telling me about? I was going to tell you about this man that's going to be coming in town to do this meeting where we're going to learn more about these principles and how health and the gospel actually go together. And the guy was like, really? I'll be there. Do you know when I got there, that brother came to the meeting, came to every single meeting, entered into Bible studies and got baptized. It started out with a Bible worker who knew the Bible as well as God's principles of health. And that's why I'm telling you, family, we already know 
people are not as much interested right now in the initiation of the you know, connection with them. They're not as much interested in necessarily our doctrinal beliefs. But if you can come as messengers of help and messengers of hope, if you can give a little bit more to the story than simply what's being told right now, if you can help people say, hey, look, there's other things that you can do to combat these things, not so much one against the other all the time, but that which is complementary. I talk to tons of people who are vaccinated and who still get COVID and are in bad shape. And I'm like, what are you doing? And they're like, nothing. And I'm just like, listen, there's still more for you to do, even if you're vaccinated. So even if you're vaccinated or not, just dealing with COVID, you and I still need to know what to do when stuff hits us. Are you following that? That's just sensible. Now watch this. Here is the top stuff going on right now. So you got, you know, heart disease, cancer, chronic lung disease, which of course will put COVID in there, and then a stroke, Alzheimer's, diabetes, chronic kidney disease. All of these things is what's hurting a lot of people right now. This is what's making people sick. This is what we are surrounded by right now. So you'll remember, again, the statistics. Six in 10 adults in the U.S. have a chronic disease, and four in 10 adults in the U.S. have two or more. So we're not even dealing with people who have chronic disease, but we're dealing with a lot of people who have more than one disease. You'll remember that a few weeks ago I showed you. Even the CDC director, she made it very clear, even pertaining to COVID, the overwhelming number of deaths over 75% occurred in people who had at least how much? Four comorbidities. People who were unwell to begin with. If you did the numbers on it, it's very simple. 76% of 900,000 is 684,000. That's how many people had four. Then if you get into the three, the two, and the one, and the zero, it, it, in other words, our world is sick. The medical facilities are doing what they can. But what I'm going to show you today is a game changer. What I'm going to show you today is purely the Bible. It's under the direction of the great physician, so I teach it with great boldness. And I will let you know that the more that we understand this principle, I believe that God is going to empower us to help people. And even if you're in a medical practice, especially if it's your own practice, you will see how these principles we're going to go over. This will be a game changer in how to help people who are struggling with sickness and disease, how to prevent and in many cases, by the grace of God, how to overcome. Let's go ahead and let's go through the study. Watch this. I want you to watch this. One of those is a bird and the other one is more particularly a swallow. Why did I put that there? Because the best way to address disease is by understanding the cause. The more that you understand the cause to a disease, the easier it is to combat it. So an example is this. In the Bible, Solomon the wise man says, as the bird by wandering and as the swallow by flying, so the curse causeless shall not come. So what does the Bible teach us? The Bible teaches that a curse never comes without a cause. Are you following that? Please don't lose that point. A curse never comes without a cause. Knowing this fact, go to Job 29. 
In Job 29, let's notice what the Bible says. Knowing this fact that a curse never comes without a cause. Let us look at Job 29. In Job 29, now I will be reading from a King James Version, but I've seen many new King James say case, but the word case is synonymous to cause nevertheless. But I want you to see Job 29 and verse 16. When you get there, let me know by saying amen. That's just one amen, not enough. Job 29 and verse 16. If you're there, help me hear you say amen. All right. In Job 29 and verse 16, Job says, I was a father to the poor and the cause which I knew not. What did Job do? I searched it out. When you don't know the cause to something, that does not mean stop all your labors. It means search it out. Now, if you're in a box of study, you may say there is no cause to certain diseases that are out there in this world. But God respectfully disagrees. There is a cause. And the cause brings us right back to Eden. You'll remember, it was in the Garden of Eden that a choice was made. A choice was made. <laughs> and you know, it wasn't even that deep of a test, was it? You know, God made it very clear. Every tree. You know, we sometimes look at, we, we sometimes understand gardens when we think about our own. But this was the Garden of Eden. This was Adam and Eve's home. This was a place that was laden with all of the greenery and the fruitage, everything that, you know, an individual could be exposed to. And God says, of all of this, you may freely eat. Don't just eat, freely eat. But he says, but only of one tree. I don't want you to eat from it. That was the one tree that obviously they ate from. And when they ate from it, it brought untold horror into our world. And I want us to watch this. The first thing that happened on the list, because we're ascertaining the cause, because the more that we understand the cause, I believe we're going to see that the church does play a major role. The church has already always played a major role. It's just sometimes we didn't give it as much attention as we could have and should have. But the church plays a major role to addressing the issues of sickness and disease that are in our world. This is not something that is just limited to the medical practitioners that are out there today. There's a work for the church to do as well. In the beginning, you'll know that there was that first lie that Satan told. Satan made it very clear. And the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. Right. So we know that the serpent was the instigator. So what does she decide to do? She buys into the lie. She goes ahead and practices disobedience. She eats. When she ate, then she did something even worse. She gives to her husband. Ladies, if you do sin, don't get your husbands to join you in the sin. Take ownership of the fault that you made and address the consequences and plead for God's mercy. But don't drag your spouse into it. Don't drag your children into it. But this is how this thing started in our world. Eve goes into sin and she brings it to her husband and he joins with her. Now, in this happening, what ends up happening next? Now, we not only have the act of sin, but now let's look at the fruit of sin. The fruit of sin, the Bible is very clear in Romans 6, the wages or the payment for sin is death. Normally when we work, we expect to get paid. When it comes to sin, that's the only time we want to work and not get paid. The wages, the payment for sin is death. And this is one of the fruit of sin. 
When we sin, it brings forth death. But let's notice something else that it brings in Numbers 12. In Numbers chapter 12, verses 10 and 11, backdrop on the story. You have a story, you have a situation of Aaron, Miriam, Moses, Zipporah, and God. These are all the characters in Numbers chapter 12. What ends up happening is that there's a, there's a discussion going on between Aaron and Miriam about Moses and about Zipporah. They were bigoted at heart because Zipporah was an Ethiopian and they were Jews and they did not like the fact that Zipporah was brought into the family. Number two is they also had an issue with the, de the degree of authority that God gave to Moses. And so what ends up happening is they're complaining and saying all these negative things about Moses. So what ends up happening next? God decides that to visit what they were doing. And here's the account. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle and behold, Miriam became something. What did Miriam become? Now, is leprosy a real disease? Yes, it is. Leprosy is a real disease, right? So let's try to find out the cause to the disease. It says Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said unto Moses, alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not the sin upon us wherein we have done foolishly and wherein we have what? We have sinned. So what was the cause of Miriam's disease? It was sin. You'll remember in John 9, uh, you know, or John 5, when Jesus healed the man who was sick at the pool of Bethesda, 38 years he was sick. When Jesus healed him, he said, go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto you. It was understood in Hebrew culture that sin is the cause of disease. Now, three biblical facts. Biblical fact number one, sin is the foundation of disease and death. Don't lose that. Sin is the foundation of disease and death. Biblical fact number two, Satan is the originator of sin and therefore the originator of disease and death. Do we agree with that? So let us never blame God for disease and death in our world. That was not his plan. You have no idea how many times I have to work with those who are atheists. And often they will say, I don't believe in God because of all this evil that he has allowed in our world. And I'm thinking to myself, that's not even fair. Because if you're going to acknowledge light, you have to acknowledge darkness. If you're going to acknowledge hot, you have to acknowledge cold. If you're going to acknowledge God, you should acknowledge Satan. And what we have to teach our friends in the world of atheism and otherwise is an enemy hath done this. It's not that God did it. It's an enemy that did it. And he has a name. And his name is that old serpent called the devil and Satan. Now, the Bible shows sin is the foundation of disease and death. It's the foundation. Now, let me put a clause here. You got a little girl who's walking around in the third world country and an evil demon possessed man rapes her. That's evil. That young girl ends up getting a sexually transmitted disease. Question. Was sin the cause of her disease? Yes or no? Listen carefully to what I'm saying. 
You got a little girl walking around in the third world country. Somebody demon possessed grabs her, molests her and rapes her. She ends up getting a sexually transmitted disease. Question. Was sin the cause of her disease? The answer is yes. Now, here's the second question. Was her sin the cause of the disease? What's our answer? No. Was sin the cause of her disease? Absolutely. Somebody committed sin. Some demon-possessed crazy person did something thoroughly ungodly and sinful. Sin was the cause of her disease. But it wasn't her sin. So I want to be very clear. Sin is the cause of disease, but it's not always ours. It's not always our sin. In certain cases, in certain situations, it can be because of someone else's sin. Now there's one more caveat to this. Go to John 9. You'll remember in John the ninth chapter, the Bible teaches another thing. You see, you'll never hear this when you visit your local PCP. You would not hear this if you go to your local hospital. We're not going to hear about the issue of sin and its relation to disease. Yet this is something the Bible teaches. And I believe with all of my heart, one of the reasons why disease is so rampant throughout our world is because sin is so rampant throughout our world. And we cannot expect the White House or the medical field to address the issue of sin. That is the job of the church. Are you following? Because what's the best way to deal with the disease is to ascertain its cause. We are studying what the cause of disease is. So now watch. In John 9, we do have one more scenario, which is a hyper rarity. Yet it is true. In John 9, you have a story of a man born blind. So let's go to verses 1 to 3 and let's take a look at it. In John 9, 1 to 3, the Bible says, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin? See that? That was, like the, that was, that was the Eastern mindset. If there's disease, there must, somebody must have sinned. So now the disciples are asking that question. Who did sin? Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Notice Jesus' answer in verse 3. Jesus answered, neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. We have rare cases in the scripture that someone has done absolutely nothing wrong and no one has done any wrong to them, and yet they get afflicted with disease. An example of that is Job. The Bible says Job was perfect and Job was upright. So there was no sin that anybody did to him and there was no sin that he was committing that we have recorded. But yet God still made a negotiation with Satan and said, all right, if you think the only reason that Job serves me is because of all my blessings, I will allow you with limitation to go ahead and afflict him. And let's see what Job does. And hence, Job ended up getting a disease. But again, rarity of the experiences by and large. The reason people get sick is because of sin, the sin either in our lives or the sin that someone else has done to us. Now, understanding this, we have a second witness 
that the Bible shows us as a result of sin. What's one of the number one carriers that we see in our world today with sickness and disease? What's one of the number one carriers of disease in our world today? Animals, hands down. Animals. There are many, 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 many diseases that unfortunately are going through the animal kingdom and ultimately getting to humanity. Do you know that the Bible gave a prophecy, a prophecy that this was going to take place? It was in the book of Hosea. And that's why I put fish, beast, and fowl. There's a reason that I put that term there. I want you to watch this. Hosea chapter 3, verse 5, and Hosea chapter 4, 1 to 3. It was actually prophesied. All of this drama that we're living today, watching so much of the animal kingdom being riddled with so much disease, God actually foresaw it millennium ago. Watch this. The Bible says in Hosea 3 and verse 5, Afterward shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the what? Latter days. The first application of this chapter is dealing with the Assyrian kingdom captivity. But the last day application of this chapter is dealing with us and our time. In the last days, God says something is going to happen. Chapter 4 now continues with this story. Watch chapter 4. It says, Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel, for the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there's no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. Does that sound like our day today? Lack of truth, lack of knowledge of God, lack of mercy. Are we living in a time where we're seeing this? Most definitely, right? Watch verse 2. It then says, by swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break out and it seems like blood is everywhere. Blood is just touching blood. This is a prophecy that Hosea is giving. After that, watch the first word in verse 3. The first word in verse 3 is what? Therefore. In other words, because of all this sin that we see happening, Hosea says, therefore, or as a result of all of this, something terrible is going to take place. Let's notice what it says. Therefore shall the land mourn and everyone that dwelleth therein shall languish. The word languish means to become enfeebled and diseased. What did God prophesy was going to become enfeebled and diseased in the last days as a result of so much sin in the land? Notice what God said was going to become disease. Number one, the beasts of the field. Number two, fowls of the heaven, yea, the fishes of the sea also shall be taken away. God literally told us a long time ago. Let me tell you something. I don't believe in elevating myself above another person. I don't believe in that. I am a Seventh-day Adventist minister. I'm a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. And I cannot tell you how much I love this church. I can't tell you how much I do. I thank God because I've been to church. I've been Pentecostal. I've been Baptist. I've been Muslim. I've been in a few places. And I've never seen a church that shows how much God cares about the body and how to take care of your health. I've never been part of a movement like that. Never, everything was always about feed the spiritual man. Don't worry about the natural man. 
That's the stuff that I always heard. And here it is, I joined this movement where they care about how much I sleep or not. How could a God who manages galaxies and universes care about how much I sleep? You're talking about a father in heaven who has a tremendous amount of love for us and really gives attention to the details. And it's like I'm just thinking to myself, man, I serve an amazing God. He actually cares about how much I sleep. He cares about how much water I drink. Why would he even waste energy on a prophet to inspire them to give paragraph and paragraph and pages about the appropriate way to eat, drink, dress and the rest? It's like it's just an amazing thing to me to think that a God could care about so much, so, so, such small things as we would call it. And here goes God saying, I care about you. That's the reason why. That's the reason why for the whole world out there that looks at Seventh Day Adventists, why are they always talking about help? It's because God cares about us. You see, God said in third John verse two, beloved, that's how he starts the verse. He wants to remind you, you're my love. He says, beloved, my great desire for you is that you prosper and be in health. God does not want us to be sick. He hates watching us suffer. I told you, an enemy did that. It's not God's plan for people, even though sickness is all over the world. It was not God's plan. An enemy did that. And the reason why the diseases are going to keep coming. Listen, I'm just giving a warning, beloved. I'm telling you the truth. Stop putting your trust in any medication. That's not your safety. Your safety is God. Now, can God work through a medication? Oh, most certainly. Absolutely. Absolutely. He worked through it with me with heart surgery. I needed medication. And the Lord worked through it. So I'm not here to tell you. That's what I'm saying. I believe in balance. God is not saying get rid of all medications. That's a fanatical statement. That's not what the Lord is trying to say. God does not want us to put our, our trust in drugs nor herbs. He wants us to put our trust in him. And we saw last week the agents that he uses. We saw that last week. Predominantly lifestyle. Secondarily, simple natural remedies. Third, when necessary and when no other option, drug medication. We saw that right from the word of God. And so what the Lord is trying to show us is, listen, this right here, this is a very serious issue. Because the real cause of disease, beloved, is violation of God's law. That's what's happening in the land. That's what the verse says. Look again, swearing, lying, killing, committing adultery, all these things. It's happening so much. And the repercussion is this incredible influx of sickness and disease in our world. You want to put a check on disease? God says, come in contact with Christ, your righteousness, and let him work out his righteousness in you and put a check on sin. The more he puts sin in check is the more he puts disease in check. The more we ignore the sin issue, the disease issue is going to rise. Vaccination, herbal remedies, whatever you want, none of it will work long term. None of it will work long term. And I don't think anybody in this room is interested in temporary fixes. We don't want stuff to just work a little while and then we got to do a whole bunch of others jumping around to try to find the next thing to help us. We want to get to a place that this is not an issue for us anymore. And God is saying, well, then ascertain the cause. And that's why I have a question. The question is, what is sin? 
Because sin is the root cause of disease, that means that we need to deal with it. We need to find out what it is, and then we need to do all that we can to see how God can help quarantine this thing and keep it away from our hearts and our lives by his grace, and then enable us to go ahead and make these truths we know known to others who know it not. What is, what is sin? The Bible says, whosoever commits lawlessness, and sin, whoever commits sin commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. That's what sin is, lawlessness. The problem is, is that in the Bible, you have, you have approximately 613 laws. You have ceremonial laws, you have sacrificial laws, you have civil laws, you have a lot of different laws in the Bible. You have over 613 laws in the Bible. So even though the Bible says sin is lawlessness, the question is, which law? So Paul helps narrow it down by saying in Romans 7, I would not have known sin except by the law, for I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said you shall not covet. So now Paul narrows it down by saying the law that says you shall not covet is the law that if we break it, it is sin. Well, what law says that? Exodus 20 and verse 17. Thou shalt not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, male servant, female servant, ox, donkey, anything that is your neighbor's. That's the 10th commandment. So everybody says, okay, so then for me to get victory over sin, I just need to faithfully keep the 10th commandment. James says, nope, because whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he's guilty of all. And so God makes it very clear. It is his 10 commandments. This is the law that if we break it, it brings forth sin and sin can bring forth disease. And when it is finished, it can bring forth death Un timely ones. I remember I was at a church and I remember talking with a minister. It was about a 4,000 member church. They were Baptist. They wanted me to come in because I shared with a co-worker of mine how to address um, his hypertension. So I showed him some things he could do, obviously no drug medication, and how he could mitigate the issues with his hypertension. He did it. When he did it, he got way better. Told his brother and his brother happened to be the senior pastor of a 4,000 member Baptist church. So the brother said, tell that guy to call me because I got a lot of sick members. So I came to his church. He gave me the Bible study night before we did an eight week program called Take Charge of Your Health. I, should, I would love to tell you all the results that happened at that meeting, it was glorious. But here's what happened. When I was there that Bible study night, I remember I was doing the Bible study. He allowed me to do it before the whole congregation. And when I did the Bible study, I remember they got to a place where they said, well, you know, when people die, it's their time. And I was just like, that's true. I said, but let me give you something else. Go to Ecclesiastes 7. Take a look at this. When you go to Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 17, because these, these are some of the rationales of why people sometimes don't prioritize living a healthy life. They feel like, look, I'm going to die anyhow. I might as well go out with a bang. You know, if I'm going to go out, let me have fun. Don't take away my fun and then I'm going to die anyhow. So I understand that rationale, but I think there's something they need to know. And the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 7, I want you to watch what it says as we consider verse 17. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 7, and verse 17, it says, be not over much wickedness, 
neither be thou foolish, for why will you die when? Before your time. You see, when we do wicked things without repenting, and when we make foolish decisions without repenting, and we just keep doing that, the Bible declares you can die, and it can be before your time. Not everybody who went into the grave went into a timely one. There's a lot of people who went into graves, and it was not timely at all. When I was very famous inside of the entertainment industry and I was dancing and making lots and lots of money, more money than I ever made in my life, that was for sure. I was dancing with the stars. And I remember my nephew in Brooklyn, New York, Brownsville, Brooklyn, New York. The nickname for Brownsville was Murderville, just to give you a clue. This is where my sister lived and all her children, including my nephew, Charlie. And you know what Charlie did? Uncle Dwayne, I want to be like you. I want to make money. I want to be on TV and all these things. Tried to get him into television. They didn't want him. He wasn't good enough, they said. So you know what he decided to do? He decided, I want to make money like my uncle. So he decided to sell drugs. Very easy choice in Brownsville, Brooklyn, New York. And that dear brother, my dear nephew, the night he decided to sell drugs was the night that he was gunned down and murdered by his so-called friends. 19 years old, he made a foolish decision and he died before his time. And so what I'm telling you, family, is we have to understand when God makes us aware of something, if we choose to ignore it, if God warns a man or warns a woman, please turn from this and now start walking this way. Please cease doing this and trust in my strength to help you now do this. When God appeals to the heart and promises the power, if we still say, I don't want it and I reject it, question for you, is that wise or is that foolish? Brothers and sisters, that is foolish. It is the fool that said in his heart that there is no God. And the Bible lets us know when we make such decisions, we're playing with death. We're playing with sickness. And so God is making it clear. He's saying to every single one of us, he says, listen, you really want to address this issue of sickness and disease? God says we need to start doing better as it relates to looking at the condition of our hearts and where it stands with God and his law. But we only did two biblical facts out of three. So let's continue. In 1 John 2 and verse 1, John 8, 11 and John 5, 14, here are some continued facts. Because I said three, but I only showed you two. Here's another point. My little children, these things write I unto you that you what? Sin not. Let's go ahead and continue another one. She said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee. Go and what? Sin no more. Then you got Jesus again in John 5, 14, saying to the man who was healed at the pool of Bethesda, he says, you are well now, you're made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon thee. So remember, we looked at three biblical facts. Biblical fact number one, sin is the foundation of disease and death. Biblical fact number two, Satan is the originator of sin and therefore the originator of disease and death. Biblical fact number three, thank God, sin is a choice. That's biblical fact number three. Away with this idea 
I'm just going to keep sinning until Jesus comes. We all sin and we all mess up. We make light of our mistakes, brothers and sisters, and we shouldn't do that. God's standard is holiness and Christ-likeness. And the standard is very high. And he's not going to lower the standard for us. What he's going to do is give you all the power in heaven to be brought up to his standard. God is fine with the process. God is okay with taking one step and then another step and then another step. And sometimes we go backwards, don't we? And God is so abundant in mercy that he will still work with us. And build us back up, remind us of his grace, remind us of his love and say, all right, now let's get back on that road one step and another step at a time. But the standard remains holiness, Christ likeness, a life that is in harmony with the law of God. And let's see what Jesus said in John 15. Turn there with me in John, the 15th chapter. I want you to see Jesus say something that no other human being could say in and of themselves. But Jesus was able to say it. And when I think about the opportunity to have Christ in me, the hope of glory, I'm like, wow. So that means you could do this. You could actually do this in me. It won't be I, but Christ who lives in me that will be able to accomplish this. In John 15, I want you to see what the Bible says. Something Jesus said that is so profound and is, I believe, the end result of the gospel. Jesus says in John 15 and verse 10, if you keep my commandments you shall abide in my love. Even as I have done something, what did Jesus do? I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Do you see how love and law go together? The only way, I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's like I don't even mind telling you this, before I met my wife, being in the entertainment industry, growing up in inner city lifestyle, I was trained to do what brothers in the street do. And one of the things that we were trained to do was to go around being with women and all these other things and messing around and all this stuff. That's what the world teaches you. And so I remember a time in my life that I was like that. I didn't know God, had no idea of who he was. And at the time, I probably could have cared less. But because his grace is still amazing, he was working with me. And I remember that normally it was very difficult to be with, you know, you'd be with one person. You know, you had to soon get tired of one person, you move on to the next. But here it is, I meet this incredible angel by the name of Alexandra. And as I meet this woman, I'm floored by her beauty and then I'm really floored by her personality. I was like, man, it's like you were carved out just for me. <laughs> like, there is no woman on earth that can handle me like Alexandra Lemon. I'm telling you, it's like she was, it's like she was carved out just for me. And I assure you, I was carved out just for her because she ain't easy either. But I love you, honey. I know you're watching. See, you know. <laughs> but here's the key. The point is very simple. You know, as I look back at this thing and I, and I just think about it, what has enabled me 25 years later to say, praise God, I have not slept with any other woman or any of these things. This May will be married for 25 years by the grace of God. And, you know, when I look back at that, what did it? It was love. Love makes it easy. Love. Love is so foundational to keeping law. And that's why I love this John 15, 10. Jesus makes it very clear. If you abide in me and keep my father's commandments and abide in his love, there's, there's no way to keep God's commandments if you don't love him. In other words, our obedience is a love response. And our disobedience is a lack of love 
response. And that's why Jesus says, the more, the more I can get you to know me and love me, that's how I know I'm going to get you to keep my commandments. And this is the great work that God wants to do right now in a world that is laden with sickness and disease. God wants us to understand there's a great work for us to do and little time in which to do it. And the more that we become acquainted with him and his love, it will better empower us that we will keep his law. A few more slides and we are done. Remember, the Bible promises, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, God says, I will put how many? None of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that heals you. God made it very clear in Deuteronomy 7, and the Lord will take away from thee all sickness and will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt, which thou knowest upon thee, but will lay them upon all them that hate thee. Now, this was interestingly stated shortly after he reminded them to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. God is bringing his people into a higher call to faithfulness and family. I get it. We are comfortable violating we got laws of health. We violate it almost all the time. We come up with a billion excuses of why we always stay up late. We come up with a myriad of excuses why we don't drink enough water. We come up with a thousand reasons why we don't exercise. And family, I'm just here to lovingly let you know, if God's not going to let the papacy change his law, he's not going to let you change it either. Are you following that? If God is not going to let the papal power change his law, why would he let us change it? You see, we can violate. But what's going to happen is we must be prepared to receive the consequences of those violations. When I got COVID, I know why I got COVID. It wasn't it wasn't a mystery. It wasn't like, oh, Lord, I wonder what happened. I thought I was obedient. I was like, man, I have been pushing myself through and through being on the road. I had too many veggie burgers. <laughs> You know, I, ju I just wasn't loading my body up with enough of the things that kept me for the past two years when COVID kicked in. It's like that's my and, and, and I just I firmly believe with all of my heart. I know where I started to air. I allowed stress to kick in this renovate. The house is a gift. I promise you this property that we got. It's a gift. But boy, has this renovation been just a nightmare. It's been a nightmare. And I've just allowed these things to get to me. And all that stuff, lack of sleep, not, you know, negative attitude, stress, blah, blah, blah. All that's immune suppression. You know that. And after a while, your body becomes open and available to get hit with all sorts of stuff. But I believe these promises. I just think us being able to live up to it takes extreme measures. And what God is simply trying to say to you and I is this. I'm going to bring you down to this last little close here. This is another advantage of having uh, the computer in front. <laughs> How can God use church members to help with the current health crisis in our nation? How can God use us? Well, number one, Psalm 119 and verse 126 says, It is time for thee, Lord, to work, for they have made void thy law. God's laws are health. God's Ten Commandments. The world at large has made void of these things. The very things heaven has given to assure us of abundant health are the very things that are being violated on a regular basis. 
God says, they've made void the law, Lord, but it's time for you to work. And guess who God wants to work through? You and me. And so I want to leave you with this. Three things. Number one, what's one thing that we all can start doing better? Number one, show people how to live in harmony with God's Ten Commandments and laws of health. When I used to work at my job, I remember that it was time to eat. And I said to my coworker, he said, Dwayne, you want to have some of this food? And it was like, you know, regular food, meat and all of that. And I don't eat that. And I said, no, I don't eat those things. I'll be all right. And he said, well, why not? I said, because, you know, I've gotten to a place in my life that I eat to live and I don't live to eat. This is so perfect. You see how all of you almost were non-responsive when I said that? <laughs> now, no, but why? this is why it's perfect. You know why you were non-responsive? Because probably you heard it a billion times, right? This is what happened at the job. I said, yeah, man. I said, uh, you know, I just got to a place where I, I learned to eat to live rather than live to eat. True story. My engineer, he goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. dude, say that again. <laughs> and I'm like, say what? And he said, that, that live, eat thing. And I was like, oh, I said, I, I don't, I've gotten to a place where I eat to live rather than live to eat. And he was like, I can't believe this. Stay right there. He leaves the room, calls other engineers, brings the engineers in the room. Everybody's like, hey, what's going on? And he says, watch, watch, Dwayne, say it again. <laughs> and I'm just like, I've gotten to a place where I've learned how to eat to live rather than live to eat. What do these guys do? Man, that's deep. <laughs> it turned into cooking classes and Bible studies. All right. My point is, what you know, a lot of people don't know. The things we take for granted is gold to the rest of the world. The more you show people how to practice godly trust and breathe in open air and get in daily exercise and the rest, brothers and sisters, you're going to see how many people are going to say, wow, I never heard this before. This is amazing. And every single one of us in this room can do that. Number two, get training to work in one of our sanitariums. If somebody really wants to learn medical missionary work, we have all these sanitariums. You know, you can call them. You can call them and get in touch with them. Meat Ministry, Uchi Pines, Wildwood, Eden Valley. Hey, I'd like to come in, do an internship. I'd like to come in and just observe what you all do. If some of you got some time on your hands, go to one of these schools, get training. Meat Ministry does a four-month school. Wildwood does a one-year school. Uchi Pines does a six-month school. Eden Valley does a four-month school. If you got the time, if you really want to learn, go to one of the schools. Go to one of the sanitariums. Start learning. Get educated. You'd be amazed at the power you can do. I told you about Elder. My dear brother, Elder, Elder's been at Uchi Pines for like almost two years. He was with us at Tekoa for nearly three years. Elder is well-trained. That brother knows a lot. I took him with me to Bulgaria. I think we did another country. Yeah, we went to like England. We went to different countries and I never did the health classes. I'd always let Elder do it. i said, say, Elder, you take it. And Elder would go ahead and knock that thing out. There's a lot of us that can get trained. Finally, number three, get training as a medical professional with an understanding of medical missionary work and the third angel's message. So even if you're a medical professional in this room, get an understanding of medical missionary work. Mingle it in your practice. Mingle it as much as you can. What I'm simply saying, beloved, is God did something special in closing. I met a dentist who works over at, he's uh, in Granite Bay. He goes to the Granite Bay Church. Very kind gentleman. And he came to me and he said, Brother Lemon, he says, I'm going to use my practice 
and he showed me another room. I went out to his practice and I looked at his practice. He says, I want to start introducing the health message to my patients. And so he's working out his paperwork and everything. And what he's decided to do, of which, you know, we're, we're coordinating some help for him with this, is he's going to offer to all of his patients to say, if you would like to learn more about lifestyle practices that can help with some of those diseases. Because, you know, even when you go see a dentist, you have to type in, you have to write in heart disease or, you know, you have to write in your history, your medical history. So he's going to actually offer to them free health consultations, health coaching that can be given to the patients that would like to get some help. He showed me the office and we're going to remodel the whole office and everything and it's going to be a place now that by the grace of God, he doesn't just help the people with what's going on in the mouth, but what's going on with the body ultimately to reach that heart. What I'm saying, my brothers and sisters, is there's a work for every single one of us to do. May God help us to enter into Christ, not only his sufferings, but enter into his burdens. Take his yoke of service. Care for souls like he did and say, Lord, by your grace, how can you use me that I can avail myself to be a blessing to those who need us at such a time as this? We cannot count on anyone else to deal with the sin issue. This is a work that God has left for the church. And sin is the foundation of the many diseases we see in our world. Question, how many of us are willing to play our part, to say, Lord, I'm willing to be an instrument in your hand to educate and to bless others with a whole gospel that ministers not merely to the mind, but also to the body through gospel medical missionary work? If that's you, please stand to your feet with me. We are going to have a word of prayer. And I believe the Lord is going to bless beyond our expectations. And God is going to do a mighty thing for his name's honor and glory. And that's why you're standing. And I want you to know that as you stand, Christ stands with you. And like I said before, we're going to be doing a lot as a church to see how we can serve our community with all of these different principles of the gospel of health. And we look forward to you all being a part of it by his grace. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we are so thankful, Lord, that you are calling us to be fellow workers with you to take on your yoke of service and to be able to serve as your son served. Lord, I pray that you might bless us as we have walked away with this understanding that now we can enter into a work that truly is a solution because the best way to address even disease is ascertain it from its cause. And we now better understand the cause and there's no one else who will address this but the church. Help us, Lord, that we will be faithful. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.